This is Taylor Talk, the number one Taylor Swift podcast brought to you by taylortalk.org. What's up, Taylor Nation? Welcome to episode 154 of Taylor Talk, the Taylor Swift podcast. My name is Adam. I'm Diane. I'm Sammy. And I'm Steve. How's everyone doing this week? Good. How are you? Good, good, good. Good. All right, so... This week's going to be awesome, okay? It's always awesome. I know. Gosh, we went over that last (laughs) week, didn't we? So every time an album comes out, as 1989 will be coming out soon, we love to reminisce on albums and eras of the past. So over the next couple weeks, we're taking you all on a three-part journey through Taylor's past four albums. Now, I say the next a three-part journey, even though four albums, because we kind of forgot to do one last week, or actually we just thought of this idea. So, start with this week. So, get ready to go, because we're going to make you cry more than a Swifty does at a secret session. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you won't be crying that much, but it is time It is time to bring out your box of tissues, because we're going down memory lane with Taylor. Now, let's start at the beginning. Taylor Swift was born on... De- I'm, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. We're not going that far back. It sounds like a documentary. <laughs> No, but we are going to be going through different significant moments throughout her career and just kind of look back and reflect on them as we move forward into this 1989 era. So this week we are going to be chatting about Taylor Swift and Fearless. And then, of course, next week will be the Speak Now era, followed by the Red era. And then the week after that is the big release of 1989. So we'll, of course, bring you a special edition on that, right? Right. So let's get to it, and let's start off with Sammy giving us some news. What's been going on in Taylor's life lately? So Taylor this week had three more secret sessions. Um, The first one was at her parents' house in Nashville, and then she had one in her apartment in New York, and the last one was at her home in Rhode Island, which is a big deal because no one has ever been in that home. Um, Fans, again, were fed with Taylor's baked treats and got to enjoy the new album with Taylor's commentary. Um, Taylor's friend and USA Today Nashville reporter Brian Mansfield was invited to the Nashville session and said, for those wondering what 1989 sounds like, you'll hear the Taylor Swift you know, but it's also a whole new ball game. He also confirmed a tweet from several months ago where he said, um, quote unquote, he overheard, overheard today from someone who has listened to the new Taylor Swift music. It's like all the other albums were practiced for this one. And then he said, remember when I quoted this tweet? They weren't wrong. Quoted that tweet or tweeted that quote? Tweeted Tweeted that that quote. quote. (laughs) (laughs) Sammy's like flipping words around here. Well, he quoted the tweet too, so, you know, whatever. Um, And T-Swift Fragrances this week announced the fifth or fourth um, edition of a Taylor Fragrance line. It's called Incredible Things by Taylor Swift. And it will be available nationwide starting this month, October, um, at Kohl's and Kohl's.com. And it will be available worldwide starting in, like, November-ish. Why do you say fifth or fourth edition? Because we had this debate last week. We were debating about whether um, Made made of Starlight counted as a perfume or not. So it's either her fifth perfume if you count it or fourth perfume if you don't. Hmm. Where's those incredible things come from, though? That's that's what I, I was know. just gonna say. I wonder if that's a song lyric. I don't from know. Her next I album. mean, it, it reminds me a lot of Starlight. So then I'm like, all right. Um, but the bottle itself, it doesn't really reflect anything that is of similar 
quality to the album. You well, know, it looks sort of like the watercolors that Taylor would paint. Yeah, that's that's mm-hmm. really the only connection I can find to the bottle. I mean, Maybe that really was nice. the hint. Maybe <laughs> that was the hint. She was hinting her fragrance. Everybody, she threw us off. Everyone's all like her watercolors, her new album cover. It so must that's be what the roses connection. mean. No, there's no notes of roses. I read through the notes. There are no notes of roses. <laughs> Um, and starting this week, Subway has released exclusive videos of the making of 1989 through their Subway Fresh Buzz mobile app. Um, all you have to do is you scan the cup and it, the video will come up. But don't move while you're watching the video because the video would disappear. It's really annoying. Well, what um, do you mean it'll disappear if like, you move? Like, you have to have it, like, if you move your phone in, like, a weird way, the video will disappear. Why it's are you very... moving your phone in a weird way? That's what I like. Was like trying okay, to dance. I was... <laughs> no. Like I was walking upstairs and like I moved my hand to like like put my hand down so I could listen to it and it the video completely disappeared and then you have to log in with another email in order to get it to work again because you can only watch it once and it's really annoying and blah, 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 blah. Um, but anyways it's very annoying. Um, this the, this week's video included a look at the front and back packaging of the album and the image on the CD itself. The back packaging, Ooh. as in the track list, or was that yeah, carefully it, removed? Yeah, she held she held it up, but it's too blurry of a of a video in order for you to like sit there and try and read what oh, it no. says. You can't do it. But That's what's cool awful. about the back is that. The, her she has an image of her on the back if you watch the video if you watch the video on the back of the album mm-hmm. um and like basically where her head is cut off on the image on the front is where it starts on the back so the rest of the photo you know what i'm saying like okay, how the so photo you can actually cuts off head. yes 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 oh that's neat yeah and then the cd um it looks like the new shirt that they have in the store with the seagulls on it and has 1989 written in her handwriting in white that's on the actual cd so there's a flock of seagulls on the album disc itself there is a flock of seagulls on the album disc itself what's the significance of seagulls in taylor swift's life not a clue Uh, unless it has anything to do with uh, a flock of seagulls, the band from the eighties, I don't know. I'm gonna say Maybe. no, <laughs> but you never know. Okay, <laughs> shall we go on with the news? Yeah, let's keep going. All right, so uh, Taylor tied um, S- um Celine Dion for the fast for the fastest riser to number one on the um uh, adult pop chart and made her first ever debut on the dance club song chart. That's a big deal to like for for Taylor to be on the dance club song chart. That's like, something that I never thought would ever happen. No, me neither. Like that's crazy. Now we need to go to dance clubs and request it. That would be awesome. <laughs> well, actually, I actually like I was driving in my car the other day on Saturday nights. They do this weird like they remix all of these songs and they remixed Shake It Off and I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. So like I kind of got it. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, okay. Cool. Um, and then the um, Shake It Off Outtakes Video 6 came out this week. And this week we saw um, outtakes with the Ribbon Dancers. Ribbon Dancers. And there's only two more groups to go, right? So it should be next should week be we'll be done. like the performance group, which is when she's in the black. Mm-hmm. And then the fans will probably be last. That'll be right? the best video. Yeah, that's the one I'm waiting for. <laughs> I think that's the one everybody's waiting for. 
All right. And then um, Taylor was on the cover of this month's British Vogue. This is the first time she has ever graced their cover. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Even with her uh, U.S. Vogue covers. Mm, She wasn't on the one in the U.K. Interesting. Nope. So this is really exciting for her. Um, And then finally, this is your reminder to vote daily for Taylor for best look and best female at the um, EMAs. And you can do that at tv.mtvema.com slash vote. Slash vote. So go we'll vote. We'll have that in the show notes. Yep. yep. <laughs> yeah, of course that link will be in the show notes at taylortalk.org slash episode 154. Now, coming up on the calendar, Taylor does, well, she's got a bit of a slow month in October. Not much going on. No, not at all. So, well, I'm just kidding. Of course she has a lot going on. So... <laughs> As always, pull out your pencils and calendars and write this all down. On October 6th, Taylor Swift will be on Le Grand Journal in... I can't do it with a French accent. Le Grand Journal. Yeah. (laughs) In Paris, France. All right. October 9th, Taylor Swift joins Capital FM's charity breakfast for Global's Make Some Noise Day. October 10th, Taylor will appear on The Graham Norton Show. October 17th, Taylor will be featured in a sketch at the Stand Up to Cancer UK Telethon. So pretty much she's going to the UK. Yeah, she's going to be on Fran- in Paris on Monday, and then she's going to the UK. Uh, I want to go. And that is until <laughs> she goes to Australia on October 20th to perform on the grand finale of X Factor Australia. October 24th, Taylor Swift performs at the We Can Survive 2014 event at the Hollywood Bowl. And finally, on October 27th, Taylor Swift's 1989 is released, and also that same day she'll be performing on Good Morning America. Woo! Woo! That's a mouthful. There's one more thing on, on this calendar, Adam. One more thing I gotta tease you with. Sometime in November, there's something very, very special coming to everybody out there listening, and that is a Taylor Talk live episode. We're gonna be doing a live stream on Google Hangout. Maybe we should learn how to use Yahoo, since apparently that's Taylor's thing now. <laughs> she doesn't okay. do Google Hangouts anymore. She does. Yeah, Google Hangouts are so much easier. I know. We're. I'm just kidding. We're doing a Google Hangout sometime in November. You're gonna have to listen up next week if you want the exact date. Oh, I know. We don't I'm know making you listen date. to two episodes of us just talking about Taylor. How are we supposed to plan what we're gonna do if you don't tell us the day? Yeah, even we don't know, guys. Well, you know, just, we're just supposed to keep our schedules clear. Yes. Okay. Keep your should. entire November totally clear. Oh, my goodness. Maybe I should do this on Thanksgiving, so that way everybody has to miss their Thanksgiving. <laughs> that would be evil. Oh what kind of an American nice. are you? I can't do that. I love eating on Thanksgiving. <laughs> it's my favorite holiday So of you're year. saying it's not Thanksgiving, then? Correct. Okay. You so can eliminate one day. We're, we're down to 29 possibilities at this stage. It can't be Black Friday because I have to go shopping. Or Cyber Monday because I have to go shopping. What about Cyber Monday? You can listen to us the same time you're online shopping. I can't talk while I'm on. While That's I'm true. Shopping. That's true, Sammy. <laughs> Especially not if they have a Taylor's sale on Cyber Monday. Yeah, but Cyber uh, uh, Monday, I believe, is December 1st. So, Do Taylor sales include lower shipping prices? I all right, so guys, that that's it for the calendar. Hope you jotted down what you need to jot down. Let's get into our main discussion for the episode, which, like I said, you know, now's the time you're going to be wanting to bring out that box of tissues because we're going to take you through some very old school Taylor moments that you're going to be like, 
Oh, I remember that. Or if you don't know what like we're talking about, it. you're going to learn about it. So that'll be pretty cool either way. Yes, very cool. Very cool. So opening up with the Taylor Swift era, her first album, self-titled, called Taylor Swift. First single, Tim McGraw, announced on May 25th and released on June 19th, 2006. You guys remember that? Does anyone remember? I remember that. Wow. Well, not, it's like eight not years ago. Not the precise day, but I generally remember that song. Eight when years it. ago? That was like before <laughs> Diane was born. How do you remember? <laughs> I was alive. I'm not nine. <laughs> <laughs> so not anymore not anymore yeah so walking down memory lane though there were a few singles that came off the taylor swift album does anyone have a particular favorite moment they'd like to pop point out like the first time you heard one of them favorite um, single I remember i worked at target in 2007 and um i can remember at night they would play the radio when we closed the store and we were like cleaning up everything and um, my radio does it like a top nine countdown of like the songs of the whole day that people requested. Mm-hmm. And without a doubt, Teardrops and our song were always on the top nine. And so I always heard it at night. And I was like, what are these songs? I hear them every day. <laughs> and I finally had to download them. And I had them. The funny part about this is that I had them on my iPod for three years before I ever listened to them. Oh, wow. I downloaded them. And I downloaded them and then completely forgot that I had them. It's, How interesting! Yeah. yeah, and it wasn't until right before "Speak Now" came out that I was like, "Hey, I have these songs. Look at that!" <laughs> so, yeah. you know what fascinated me most about her first album? What was how different the album announcement was then versus today? Yeah. Well, of course it was. So today, you guys remember the 1989 announcement roughly a month ago? What's today? October 5th, so a month and a half ago almost, right? Yep. I can't do math right now. Too hard. <laughs> um, you know, and it was a big production. She had that whole secret event, people competing and writing essays on uh, whatever they wrote it on to get the opportunity to be there for the announcement, did a live stream worldwide. Everybody was watching, everyone was tuning in, it was all over the news. Where it's like back then with her first album, it was like such humble roots. All she did was just write a blog post on MySpace, if you remember MySpace. Yeah. That's so cute, though. And you can go and read them. A lot of this information came from tswiftmyspace.tumblr.com. All of the all of her Tumblr posts are on there. I MySpace mean, posts? MySpace posts are on Tumblr on there, yes. Um, well, that's an interesting so that, memory in itself from that era is Taylor on MySpace. Yes. Because now that's because she, gone. yeah. I mean, you can't. Her MySpace still exists, but you can't access the blogs anymore. Um, so reading and going back to 2006 and reading what she was writing back then, it's really interesting to see, you know, how much she has grown, but at the same time, how much she is still very much the same person. Mm-hmm. And I think another thing that needs to be pointed out about the Taylor Swift era is how long it was expanded over because Tim McGraw came out as a single on May 25th, 2006, like we just said. And the last single off of Taylor Swift was should have said no. And it came out on August 23rd, 2008. So it was, it was was over two years of songs coming out of her album coming out of, you know, tour, which we'll go into in a minute. And it's really interesting to see that, 
that those two years are basically what shaped Taylor into the super uber megastar that she is. Because mm-hmm. if she hadn't been that consistent, if she hadn't, you know, released albums and uh, songs in 2006 and then kept building on it over those two years, people would have forgotten about her by the time her album came out. And I think that's a testament to, to her and to Scott Braschetta in, you know, the creation of Taylor Swift as the image that we know. Well, Sammy, it's interesting you pointed out um, her build and her growth and how her ga- I guess uh, how she gained all the popularity because, you know, we were just talking about MySpace and something interesting to note is in this era – Taylor became one of the first artists to really establish herself by using social media because, you know, prior to MySpace, social media didn't really exist. I mean, there were like Friendster and things like that, but MySpace was the first big one. And I mean, this was even before, you know, you could put music on YouTube. Like she was putting these songs out there on on MySpace. And she talked about that in a blog that there are songs that on the album that people would have known because she posted them on her MySpace. So, like, I mean, it just it shows a lot of how much she's grown in terms of she's still using social media and still talking to fans on social media the same way she was in 2006. Yes. Well, again, rather, there was a period of time Taylor wasn't really talking to fans on social media. Now she's gone back to it. Yeah. That's actually an interesting point that, you know, in 2006, 2007, she was very active on MySpace. She was responding to fans' comments and, you know, things like that. And then she kind of stopped doing that for a while. And now she started doing that again with Instagram and with Tumblr. Like, that's actually a really interesting point to bring up, I think. Well, things come full circle, and it worked so effectively for her back then that it also, um, you know, is going to work today. Of course, she has significantly more fans so she can't respond to everyone like she used to but it's definitely worth noting for sure so now talking about that rise to popularity the album had first week sales of 40,000 copies is that good for a first album for a country artist I would I mean she was proud of it like I would say that's pretty significant you're talking about an unknown yeah completely unknown with her debut album debuting at 19 on the billboard 200 by the way um and i that's just it's mind-blowing the instant popularity she gained and i think a lot of that you know you can attribute to the that myspace activity and building a fan base Mm -hmm, yeah and it didn't take long for it to go platinum it was less than it was less than a year before it went platinum and it had sold five hundred thousand copies and went platinum on June 16th, 2007. Went platinum? Yeah. Selling a million copies. No, 500. Platinum's a million. Gold is 500. Oh, all right. Well, but yes, it went platinum. <laughs> <laughs> Sammy's like, uh. <laughs> Steve, I, I'm right on that, right? The numbers? Uh, I think so. I Gold, 500. I think you're 000. right, Adam. I'm I glad someone is a million because that's I'm not way doubting, cooler than five hundred thousand. I'm not doubting that you're right, but it. I'm doubting that I'm right. <laughs> that's because you're not right. Uh, platinum's no, a million, I I, gold five hundred thousand. No, 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 it went platinum. Whatever. <laughs> so it didn't take long. <laughs> I think it's going to be interesting for a minute to talk about Taylor touring during this era because 
she wasn't quite at the status where she had these big headlining tours like she had now, but rather was an opening act for several other artists. So, I mean, does anyone have any opinion on any of her performances, any of her opening performances for anyone? She did a lot of it before the album came out, um, like in promotion of the album, basically. And then it continued that once the album was out, that she would then like stay on tours in order to keep up the momentum of the album. Um, I think I, I, I didn't know this actually. Well, I did know this. I must've known this at some point and then I forgot. And then I remembered again, um, right before album, her album came out that Halloween or I guess right after, um, she did a, a mini show with Jake Owen, which I thought was really interesting. Um, okay. She did it in Portland, and and isn't there a song about that? Sparkfly, the secret message is Portland. Wasn't that when she first played that song live? Was that in Portland? I I don't know if it was that she played it there or if it was inspired by something that occurred in Portland in October of two thousand and six. Um. Yeah, I just I thought that particular part of the story was really cool, and she also toured with Gretchen Wilson. For a lot of people won't know her, but um, I just thought it was interesting that she was touring with a person who now is a pretty big deal in the country world. And I like I didn't know that he was a big enough deal that he would have somebody opening for him back then. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Taylor was actually opening for Jake Owen. Yes, she was. Yes. Hmm fascinating i don't i don't think that the jake owen show is that big like for him like i think it was in a bar or in something some kind of small Small thing so it was it was a small show for him but then he had he it was big enough for him to have an opener well yeah but jake owen did have some pretty big hits off of that album that was his debut album at that point in time uh yeehaw and uh starting with me so yeehaw that's yeah. such a country name. So, for so it was a so it it's was a, a good big song. Hit. Okay. So it was a big album for him, but it was also his debut album, so the show itself wasn't that big, kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Got it. I think something that sort of brings a little tear to my eye, thinking back to, is how Taylor was just a mere opener for performers and artists that she is now like just she's on par light with years them, ahead of, if not yeah. past them. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, specifically some of them that come to mind. Rascal Flatts, she's so much bigger than now. Um, Tim McGraw, it's hard to say she's bigger than because he's such an icon. But but I think she's up there with him in terms of being an icon. And same with George Strait. I mean, George Strait has been, you know, on on the music scene for decades now. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to compare Taylor to George. But I think what Taylor has that George also has is the ability to maintain a career and not just sort of fizzle out after an album or two. And that in that Taylor will still be around for decades like George is. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's something that she learned from him from touring with him in 2007. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. And I think going back to you saying that he, she's kind of past rascal flats. I think she's also in a way past Brad Paisley, who she also opened for. Um, and I would agree. Not not to say that, you know, they are bad compared to her being good, but just in terms of popularity, um, I mean, 
if you look at the kind of tours itself that Brad Paisley does, he does mostly um, amphitheater tours. He does he plays some arenas in the winter, but Taylor is selling up stadiums. And other than like CMA Fest, I don't know that Brad Paisley has ever attempted to play a stadium. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I just I don't I don't see them on the same level as her. And I think that's really interesting that she was opening for them and now is completely past them. Well, interestingly enough, I, I mean, I kind of want to revise my statement and argue that if you're going based on popularity and you factor in all, I guess, accounts of popularity, social media, album sales, selling out stadiums, I'd say Taylor's actually bigger than everybody she opened for. I would agree with that. I, uh, I would say she's hit that point. Yeah, at I least mean, if currently. You wanna, if you're considering currently, that yeah. stuff, but I. Yeah, currently. Current like, popularity, I, mean, I should I should say. Because Rascal yeah. Flats was really popular back in their day. Yeah. Back and in so the day, like about their days stadiums over. selling out stadiums. But I think <laughs> no, country but music definitely have... arenas, yeah. Right. You know, I think at that stage you still had uh, like Garth Brooks a little bit right before Rascal Flats, who was bigger than pretty much anybody. He was selling out stadiums and such. So Well, yeah. Garth Brooks was huge. Did did she ever she didn't ever open for him, did she? No. no, no, I didn't think so. And George Strait, I think, is selling out stadiums. I mean, he his last tour. I mean, granted, it was it was it was his retiring tour, but still, like mm-hmm. that was a big tour. Like people were making a big deal about getting tickets, and it was really hard to get tickets, kind of like Taylor. So, I mean, I think that that goes back to what I said before about um, ma- you know, maintaining a career similar to George Strait's career. Um, whereas I can't name a single George Strait song. Yeah, I can't either. Um, did we lose Sammy? Sense. And I said, oh, Sammy's back. <laughs> Sammy's back. Okay, good. Now we don't have to carry the conversation anymore. <laughs> um, nope, we're good. <laughs> so, Sammy, I, I, just for anybody listening, we just had a little internet error here, and Sammy got booted from our Skype so conversation. Did Steve. Steve wasn't here either. And oh, Steve weird. might have gotten booted too, but we wouldn't know the difference anyway. Because Steve would have <laughs> said something. Because Steve doesn't actually talk that frequently. <laughs> anyway, Taylor has surpassed a lot of these artists in terms of popularity because she spans different genres where everybody else has stayed exclusively country. I would agree with that. Or if they attempted it, they they failed at it. Yeah, kind they, of like they a weren't able yeah, to do it the way I she can't, I can't see like Brad Paisley doing like shake it off. Anything. Yeah, no. I would like to see Brad Paisley shake it off. And you're gross. I am. (laughs) We needed humor. (laughs) Uh, um, But yes, I would. I would totally agree with that. That um, the way that she was able to maintain herself was that you know she grew with her fans and she you know changed with her fans and what started becoming popular you know she kind of went with and rather than you know completely changing herself for her career it she just kind of evolved does that make sense yeah she's evolved since this point and that's that's why we're reminiscing right now sammy yeah (laughs) so let's talk about some of the significant awards of that era because you know that was the beginning of the oh geez i'm up against taylor for an award yeah (laughs) great i lost um so (laughs) You know, just to name some of the big ones, 2007, she got the CMT Video Music Award for Tim McGraw for Breakout Video of the Year, which is really, really cool. And it is even 
cooler because she doesn't win CMT Video Music Awards very often. They were like the first award show to like kind of cast her off as a country artist almost, which is ironic because it's fan voted, but for some reason fan she voted. Just, yeah, knows. we know none of these awards are yeah. purely fan voted, so <laughs> It just the fans get the vote. Won. That's about all. But the winner gets <laughs> depending on how heavily our vote is weighted is another thing. Right, right. Yeah. So yeah. of course the highlight of her senior year of high school was Aww. winning the 2007 CMA Awards Horizon Award, which I guess is a big deal. That's the sweetest um, thing. Does ever. anyone have any background information on that award? Like well, I know here, it's a I big an, thing, but I got some info for you, Adam. So Steve, actually, I can always Taylor count on is, you, buddy. I know. Uh, Taylor actually is the last person to win the horizon award because um, they renamed it the next year. Oh, That's the best new artist award. That but CMA isn't that kind of what it means though? It yeah, is... that's well, that's the point of it is that, okay. you know, if, for instance, the sun, the horizon, it just, you know, that they're going up from there and everything mm-hmm. else like that. But yeah, hers was the last one that was considered the horizon award after that. Uh, Lady Antebellum won in 2008 is the best new artist. Well, that's a clever name, Horizon Award. So clever. In yeah. fact, none of us understood it until that's Steve explained why, why they changed, changed it. it. Yeah. 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 It makes sound, it sound so much fancier. And I think it's really interesting that the CMAs, you know, gave her like her first like really big honor as a country at a country award show. And then the CMAs also gave her basically her last big honor at the country award shows, the Pinnacle Award. Um, I think that's kind of interesting. They kind of bookended her, mm-hmm. which I think is nice. And now she's which, a pop now star. They'll have, to, they'll have to rename the Pinnacle Award now because it'll also be confusing because obviously <laughs> the horizon is where you start and the Pinnacle is when you've reached the top. <laughs> there you go. And there let's hope go. Taylor hasn't reached the top yet because if she's already reached the top, we're not going to have a podcast much longer. But that, but that's that's oh, the country awards, though. She has reached yeah, the top so of the country, country, and that's and why she pop. has moved on. She's Fair point, I Steve. Think that's tackle that's another genre. Then I think the other significant award of that era was in 2008 at the uh, ACMs when she won Top New Female Vocalist. Ooh. ACMs a do big award even, show. Do they separate them anymore, or is it just Top New Vocalist, Top New Artist? I, I don't, don't think they know. separate them. I don't. I don't think they separate them anymore. So I think that that's a big deal in and of itself that she got it when they were separated and she was acknowledged for being a female vocalist, which she doesn't get now acknowledged for very much anymore. <laughs> yeah, assuming that's accurate for sure. And I think it's interesting she won vocalist awards back then because I don't think her vocals were as strong then as as they are now. I would agree with that. Not to say she was bad. I'm uh, just saying no, not she's at all. developed she's, she's more. gotten stronger. Yeah. I mean, there's, good. I don't think any of us would deny that there's a big difference between her vocals and, say, like Carrie Underwood's vocals. Mm-hmm. Right. So something else I've been very fascinated with about this first album is its release pattern. Because here's the thing. Like, it released on whatever date we said above. I can't remember October off the top 24th, of my head. October 24th. A few 24th, minutes ago. 2006. Thanks, Sammy. Sammy knows the date. So it released, but that wasn't its only release. About a year later, they released a limited edition deluxe version mm-hmm. of it that had some additional materials. And then, what, roughly a year or so after that, they got rid of that limited edition and created almost like a hybrid of the original version and the deluxe version, and that's what you can actually get in stores today. So if you actually have one of those originals and one of the original deluxes, 
they're actually very valuable because I they have, don't yeah. make those. So do I. I do too. Yep, me too. And me just too. fun fact and shameless plug here, you guys can have one too because we're actually giving away a copy of each on our oh. Twitter account at TaylorTalk13. Go look through our favorites. You'll you'll find uh, the tweet there. That's going through October 10th. 10th. Yeah, it's it's almost over, so you guys better get to it. Yeah, sh- shameless plug there, plugging our uh, giveaway. But I'm sure they're not going to mind because they could win um, exclusive Taylor Swift CD. So yeah, cool. they they don't make these anymore. They're very rare. Like I think on eBay, they're going for like anywhere from eighty to a hundred dollars and up. Whew. I bought mine for sixteen dollars at Target. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> that was a long time ago when they were was. still making them. It's they, like. Ever- it, it should be pointed out, though, that every now and then they do release them because I got mine when Speak Now came out and they they re-promoted them at Target. But I think what they're putting out are already created copies. They're not actually making it anymore. Yeah. yeah it's yeah, excess yeah. inventory they still have. Yeah. Why they would hold it, I don't know, unless they plan for, on doing for, some grand for release later. those like that for, you know, when an album comes out and... They want to have all five copies of, you know, or album mm-hmm. for available for somebody to buy. Because like me, when I bought Speak Now, I didn't realize I had, you know, our song and teardrops on my iPod. I was like, oh, I'm going to buy her new album. And then I was like, oh, I'm going to buy her first album, too. It's for exactly that reason. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Why? To get some of them you didn't have? Is that what you said? Yeah. To, be, to, to, introduce her, to introduce her to people that are just seeing her new album they're like oh well this is her new album i kind of want to know you know what her other songs sound like so you buy both when you're at target yeah it was a fascinating release schedule now this is the part i've been most excited about is her absolute standout performances from the era because everything we've said before is more or less fact just catching everybody up in case you were not yet a swifty like myself um now standout performances are just like some of these were so cool so like diane what was your favorite performance of that era when she performed um should have said no at the um acms in 2008 yes she had like the rain and the costume change on stage and it was like it's kind of it's very reminiscent of how she performed it on tour um for fearless tour like and she said um, of it, I've always wanted to perform an angry song and have water rain down from the ceiling and have a little freak out on stage. Always wanted to do that. So a few months ago, when I was offered a performance at ACMs, I had this epitome. Or I would, I, I need to do that rain idea on the ACMs this year. Did you just say epitome? Epiphany. epiphany. Whatever. <laughs> totally different <Yeah>. word. <laughs> Two totally different words, Steve. You're right. I had an epiphany. No, but my gosh, that performance was so awesome. Yeah. That was like, Where they the, like rip off it was, it was like the beginning of drugs. Taylor's like over the top, awesome, amazing performances. Like mm-hmm. she's out on stage and she starts and she's wearing this black hoodie and is acoustic on yeah. her guitar. Yeah, and then you're then all like, sudden, what's going on? This is really weird. Why can't we see your face? Yes, and then all of a sudden the lights come on, the band appears, and she gets in to should have said no. And then towards the end of it, it starts raining on stage, and I would love to know the reaction of the people when think, that put the ACMs together when Taylor's like, um, I want to dump a bunch of water on the stage. I think the best part about the rain was that it spelled out things. Yes. It, it said, should have said no in the rain. Like, there were breaks in it where it spelled it out, and it was so cool. That must and have what's been crazy about that is actually, according to the company's website that made that, 
Taylor's people did not know that it actually spelled stuff out to begin with. They thought it was just going to be a waterfall and that was it. And then they were oh. like, no, it can say words and all sorts of stuff like that. That that was a 14-foot waterfall, by the way. Whew. How wow. clever. Whoever designed that is absolutely genius. And yes. it was so brilliant for this performance and it was so awesome. The Jonas Brothers used it later in one of their tours. They stole the, it from The her. rain. I know they did. Yeah. <laughs> Copycats. Uh, I mean, well, <laughs> but that um, performance was seriously yeah. awesome, and I really encourage everybody to watch it if you haven't seen it because it's like what what do they call it? Just the grandiose performance. Yeah, was the beginning. And we'll link it, it like, in the show notes. Yeah, we're definitely gonna have that in the show notes, uh, as well as any other videos we discuss right now. So, Steve, yeah. did you have a favorite performance of the era? Like, what what do you like? That, that's definitely my favorite one. It really is. I actually have the poster that they used to sell in the Taylor Swift store. Oh, okay, yeah. Oh, nice. So, for that one. Yeah. There's a poster yeah. of that performance? Yes, you guys yes. will see it on the live show because I'm sure I'll be, you know, you'll see it in the background of my part of the video. So The, it's, the um, un- unannounced, undated Taylor Talk Live? Well, it's in November, <laughs> so it's not completely undated. It's just <laughs> and not it's not sure completely when. unannounced either. Right. Well, before now. But <laughs> anyway. Sammy, what have you got? Favorite um, performance? I think, well, I mean, the should have said no one was was awesome, and it stands out to me always as one of my top favorite Taylor performances in general. But I really liked when Taylor performed Tim McGraw at the ACMs in 2007. Yeah. Um, it was very simple, and it was just her and her guitar. But the best part was that at the end of the performance, she walked down to the front row where Tim McGraw was standing and sang the end part of Tim McGraw to Tim McGraw. And then at the end of the performance, she goes, hi, I'm Taylor. It was she so sounded cute. and looked so nervous and I don't blame oh her. Oh my gosh. I would she be sounded too. so nervous. <laughs> well, you got to figure she's little teenage Taylor singing a song written or titled after one of her favorite country artists to that country artist yeah. who and just happened had, to already be an icon at the time. Yeah. And she's at a, her, her, like basically her first major award show, like it, it was a huge deal for her, and mm-hmm. and you know she she was terrified, and she I'm sure she had the right to be terrified, but it's an adorable performance that we'll have linked in the show. Well, do you know what else was adorable, Sammy, about that performance what? was actually the before and after as well, because right before it was Emma Roberts who announced yep. Taylor coming out, and she's like, Taylor and I have a very special bond. We're the only ones here with a 10.30 p.m. curfew. <laughs> and I think it's interesting that they had Emma Roberts do it. And, you know, Emma Roberts said some really, really nice things about her and about loving her music. And then a few years later, her and Emma Roberts would appear in Valentine's Day together. Oh, that's right. Ooh. They were in a film together. And then the end of it, the way it closed out is Reba McIntyre came on and she's like, <laughs> you know, in her great Reba country voice. <laughs> Her Reba voice. I can't even do it. But oh, it was decent. Was it decent? Yeah, She's like, if there's any teenage boys out there that want to write a song called Reba McIntyre. <laughs> it was so funny. It was really clever and really funny. And like, I, I just want to point out, you know, all these moments that we've been through are just really significant. And the reason I, I wanted to talk about them this episode is because there's such huge milestones in her career. Like, I think at this point in time, we can, as fans, sometimes take for granted how big and popular Taylor actually is, and we expect so much from her because we know how talented she is. And these moments are where it all started. Yeah. 
Yep. And, and a lot of us may have not even been around or paying attention to those moments. Like, for instance, no. when she was singing Tim McGraw, I, I, I don't remember if I saw that. I know that the should have said no performance I saw for sure, because mm -hmm. at that point in time was when I was kind of building up to really liking Taylor's music, um, you know, just everything like that. So I was kind of ready to roll like our song. Yeah. I built from that. I was like, oh, I really, really like this song. And then all of a sudden should have said no came out and then that performance. And then I was like a full on, you know, Taylor fan. <laughs> by then. Yeah. And the should have said no performance was towards the end of the um taylor swift era so i definitely remember watching that um which was unusual for me i think that was probably the first country award show that i watched and i watched it specifically for her i'm sure um but you know i just think that's interesting to point out and that it's it's a, it's a good way for us to flow into the next topic of conversation which would be the next era, era. <laughs> oh boy the era that would become, I you know, I would almost argue that the Fearless era is the most iconic of all four eras thus far. I would yeah, agree with because that. because I think this was the time when she got really big. Like, this yeah. is when people were like, oh, who's this love story girl? Yes. And I think that the other thing about the Fearless tour is that this was the first time that she basically crossed over into quote-unquote pop. And so people in the country world were like, who is this girl? Like we had, like we just started bringing her up and now she's like this big superstar. And then mm -hmm. the people in the pop world were like, who is this? This is awesome. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? So like um, I think that that was that's a huge reason why the Fearless era was as monumental as it was, is that it was a crossover for her, basically. But well, it wasn't monumental enough for Adam and I to actually go to her shows. <laughs> Clearly you not. Guys suck. <laughs> yeah. I knew who she was by that point, though, so I think that right. goes along with what Sammy was saying about the um, beginning of the crossover, because at the time, really until recently, until, uh, Steve, you and I met up at uh, CMA Fest in 2013, I was not really a big country person. Mm. And she was yeah, still technically is. a country artist at the time. I I was the same way. Like when I started liking Taylor, I was not a country fan. I was like anti country. And then because of Taylor, I started listening to country, country music. And I think that I don't want to speak for everybody, but I think that, that happened for a lot of fans Definitely, that, yeah. you know, she, they heard love story on the radio or they heard, um, you belong with me on the pop radio. And they were like, Oh, who is this girl? I like this. Let's let's, I want to listen to this. And then, they, you know, discovered her as a country artist. They discovered our song. They discovered Teardrops on My Guitar. And then through that, they were like, oh, I kind of like country music. Maybe I right. should listen to more. And, you know, well, you start watching award shows and you start liking more country acts. Well, the only thing, though, a lot of the late 90s, early 2000s was actually a really, really good time for country. And that's actually when I got into it because you had Garth Brooks. You had Tim McGraw, you had the Dixie Chicks, you know, you had Kenny Chesney. Everybody, like, it was getting really big in country right before Taylor came on the scene. So that's actually kind of when I got into country is the, the late 90s and early 2000s. So is that I when you left your, like, head-banging eyeliner rock phase? <laughs> no, nah, nah, it was more of the alternative rock kind of music, The what was left over from grunge and everything else like that, like Nirvana, Pearl Jam. 
uh, REM, gotcha. that kind of stuff. And then I kind of switched over to country once that started falling by the wayside in the late 90s. Those so you started listening to real music then? Very different types of music there. <laughs> They're all real music. I, I don't on. think one's fake. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, uh, let, let, all right. Let's talk fearless. So July 26, 2008, Taylor teased about her second album, Photoshoot. And on August 1st, 2008, she teased about lyrics. Yeah, and then finally announced the release date on August 15th. Hey, that's Diane's birthday. Hey. Oh. August 15th, 2008, yet again on MySpace. I think what's interesting about the beginning of the Fearless era is even before she started teasing um, an album was coming, before she started teasing lyrics and everybody, nobody knew that she was teasing lyrics, although, you know, looking at it now, how you couldn't know, I'm not really sure. Um, She started playing um, a new song, which is called Change. Um on tour when she was on tour with the rascal flats the summer of 2008 um and she teased on myspace that it wasn't from the new from an old album so where could it be from and they um used it as the songs for the u.s olympic team that year um and she created a video for it and it was added to itunes on august 11th which is four days before the album was announced um oh. so i think that it, that was an interesting way for her to go into the out al- into the era you know, adding a, playing a new song without telling anybody where it was from. It was the beginning of the teasing that drives us all crazy. It was. <laughs> it was. She, she mastered that beautifully in 2008. Right. So, when the album did finally come out, sold 592,000 copies in the its first, first week. week. That is such a jump from her first album. Yep. Huge. It, so it went gold in the first week. Yep. Yes. Good job, Diane. Yeah. Together. Went gold <laughs> its first week, which and it teaser talks- and spoiler, her next albums all went platinum their first week. Wow. <laughs> and the, another big deal about the album that week was that it topped the uh, Billboard Hot 100, Hot 200 chart for 11 weeks, which was longer than any album since Santana in 1999. Wow. That's mind-blowing, because Santana That's, is iconic, yeah. one of those iconic artists. And Taylor is now, but back then she was still on the growth. We were just mm-hmm. talking about how this was the beginning of the icon Taylor Swift and how Fearless was, like, the most iconic era. And I think that actually has a lot to do with just the Fearless name itself. Yeah, yeah, just that whole theme. Fearless is such a it. – it's such just a it, – it's a powerful word when you compare it to the the other album titles. No, that's just my opinion, at least. No, I agree. I, it's it's, but I think that "Speak Now" is pretty, it's you know, close. powerful and it, powerful in itself. Um, but I, I I would agree that "Fearless" is definitely, you know, it was that exactly that it was "Fearless" for her to release this album the way that she did, for her to release the songs that she did because you know if you compare it to other country albums that came out at that time, it's completely different. Um, and it was, it was very fearless of her. And, and I think that it's a good word for the entire era. Definitely. It's a good word for her entire career, but that's a well, story yeah, for another day. But... <laughs> so Diane, speaking of what you were mentioning about how big a jump it was from the 40,000, uh, first week sales of her first album to almost 600,000 of fearless. I think that is why Taylor finally figured out. She's like, all right, time for a headlining tour because I can actually fill those stadiums. Yeah, she can do it. And she did it. I mean, didn't she sell out 
Every single one, or at least all of yeah, them. Yeah, she did, and it was, her, and it, she played her first stadium show, which also sold out, and that was on June fifth, two thousand and ten, in uh, Gillette Stadium. Mm-hmm. Really? And, and it was also the first time that she played Madison Square Garden, which was August twenty. I don't remember, um, <laughs> but I was there. <laughs> I was... Now, something cool looking back at Taylor history too is the fact that this was a world tour. She left the U.S. Yes. She left so and when came we back fast forward her. in time, you know, what was it? Um, shoot, what was that award? Someone refresh my memory talking about how she brought country music worldwide. The Pinnacle Award? Pinnacle? Oh, the, in- the International it was... Artist Award. It was of the CMA. Uh, yeah, the it wasn't ACM, the Pinnacle Award. What was it? No, it was like the International Artist Award or something like that. No, that's not yeah. what it was called. Does it matter precisely what it's called, or was that the point of what you No, it doesn't matter precisely what it's called. The, the point? ACM Jim Reeves International Award? Thank you, Steve. Yes. <laughs> I was actually there for that event. That was actually that was awesome. down in Nashville. Kind of actually after the Speak Now show, she ended up winning that award because they did the ACM honors. So. Yeah, but what I was getting at, though, is looking forward to that award and then looking back again to this tour, it's like, Oh, yeah. Like she really did spread country music and it all started then. And it's just that's why I love going through Taylor history, because we can look at all these little baby steps along the way that lead to these moments we're seeing now that we sometimes forget what triggered them, what started them, how she got here where she is now. And I mean, that's that's really the whole point of this episode is building up to 1989 and looking at where she's been and how she got to this point. Yeah, and when she played those shows, I think it also needs to be pointed out that they were very small shows for her. Like one of the, I think the UK ones, like she toured with Justin Bieber because she wasn't yep. big enough. They didn't think she was big enough to hold her own, hold her own. Um, and you know, the Oceania tours in Australia and New Zealand and in Asia, they were all very, very, very small venues compared to the ones that she's playing now. And it's really interesting to see that that's basically where she started doing you know worldwide tours and started becoming a worldwide name that people knew um to where she is now (laughs) are you crying you're getting nostalgic (laughs) to a time it's just so beautiful (laughs) (laughs) how long have you been planning that what how long have you been planning to do that? I actually that? came up with it right now. <laughs> I just thought it would be fun to insert crying somewhere in the episode. Wait, you're not actually crying? There's Are teardrops on his microphone. What are you Aww. talking about? <laughs> She's the reason for the teardrops on my microphone. <laughs> wow. Why do you go so falsetto? She doesn't sing it that high. Because that's his girl voice. Yeah, <laughs> Sammy, I don't, I don't quite have the range necessarily that an artist like Taylor has. <laughs> You're like really low or really high. Really low, <laughs> really high. Low, 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 low. Okay, come on. Okay. <laughs> so this expanding on the last era was, in fact, a huge growth in awards and awards she received. Of course the most significant of which being at the 2010 Grammys when she won like a zillion Grammys. And we see that famous picture of her like dropping them because she won so many. She can't hold them all. Couldn't hold them all. 
it was good times. But good I mean, time. she won for best country album, album of the year, best country song for White Horse, best female country vocal performance of the year. Like, wow. Was this was big... what, 2010? Yes, it was. She, she was the youngest person ever to, or youngest female ever to win a Grammy. Like, Taylor was a, was a baby. Ever to win she album was 20. It was a big deal. She was 20 years old. And walked home with four Grammys. Yeah. And she's got what? Only seven total now, right? Yep. Only seven, really? Are you going to use the word seven. only? <laughs> For, forgive me, but the point I'm getting at is now four years, almost five years later, she's only gained three more than she got in that one year by itself. That's a discussion for another time. Yes, it is. But that that is, that is a good point, though. I mean, you, you got a question, you know, if you look at awards, that would be the time that she was at the peak of her career. If you look at just the awards, mm-hmm. but yet we all know that she has gone on to bigger and better things since then. Just the awards aren't following suit. Crazy. The awards aren't everything, Steve. And, you know, in a lot of those, like this is my opinion. This by no means don't take this as fact, but a lot of those awards that are basically issued by other professionals in the industry. Occasionally I question whether or not they have started snuffing her because they're jealous. Or they just want to give it to someone else. Like, well, they like they may think, okay, well, we've already, like, she already has um, a lot of these. Why don't we give someone else a chance? I don't or think let so, else... because there's so many artists that have, like, won so many Grammys, and they've never snubbed them, so why would they choose to snub her? Okay, I, I didn't mean this for to be an award show <laughs> debate, because we've had so many of those on these episodes. Um, about the controversy with award shows and how heavy our fan votes actually count things of that sort. Um, mm. that, that was meant just more as an opinion. I don't know why I even threw it out in this segment. Was that a honest. rhetorical question? <laughs> yes, don't answer it, please. Let's just I, I, talk I about other significant milestones in the Fearless era. You know, you also got the 2009 CMA Awards Entertainer of the Year and Female Vocalist of the Year. Now, I believe, someone correct me if I'm wrong, first Entertainer of the Year, CMAs? Yep. Yep. That was that was my favorite. And, and first and only female vocalist of the year. First and yeah. only, wow. For the CMAs, yeah. So does anyone want to wear devil horns for the next <laughs> award? What? Does anyone want to oh. play the evil Wait, part? Oh. Because this is <laughs> arguably a moment that really impacted Taylor's career and popularity and how well people yeah. knew her because it made headlines everywhere. When she won the 2009 VMA Award for Best Female Video over Beyonce and the K word Kanye. <laughs> oh, don't say How it. dare oh, you? No. I'm, I'm, I'm clarifying for the people. He who must not be named. Yes. Something that walked, really walked upon the stage and ripped the mic from her hands Poor and Kate. said, "Beyonce should have won." I'm gonna let you finish, but Beyonce had the best video of all time. Of all time. That was a great impression. Can you also do the impression <laughs> of him telling people in wheelchairs to stand up? Because okay, no, <laughs> I'm sorry, this isn't Bash Kanye hour. But are you sure? It something like it. that really bothers me about this is um, a lot of people um, at the time, and even some now, will say the only reason Taylor is famous is because of what Kanye did to her. I have heard that. I've heard that too. Um. I think that to I that, that I would they're... argue to that I would argue that those four Grammys took oh they were next year sorry that wasn't yeah, 2009 they were, they yeah. were that's 2010 year. just kidding 
Scratch what I said. The thing I don't, is, though, I don't. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, um, I was just gonna say is maybe that helped her um a little bit, but if that was the, if that is indeed the only reason that she's famous, she would no longer be famous. Like, yeah, would have been I would, I would have forgotten that. about her. Like, if I definitely think that it made her a household name, and at that point, everybody knew who Taylor Swift was. But I don't think that it had any impact on her career because, like you just said, if that was it, if that was the only thing that her career was hanging on to, she would have fizzled out by now. Well, not only that, look at album sales. Fearless sold close to 600,000 copies the first week and, of course, is several times platinum now. Um, You know, that that did – I am getting my date straight this time. That did happen before the VMAs. Yes. Yes. So – you know, I just want to point that out as well, that she was very, very popular before, because even though now, see, again, it's one of those interesting things. She, she almost sets the standard for herself in our minds, because even now we're like, oh, 600,000 companies, that's only half of what Red sold its, sold its first week. But compare that to other artists and nobody is selling. So you got Fearless selling 600,000. I'd like to point out that I don't know if this is his most recent album, but Bieber released an album same year as Red two years ago. That only sold like 350 or 360, 360,000 yeah, I mean, copies its first week. Taylor, is that the it, Believe with, album? It no, might have been. Was, I, I, don't, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't keep up with Bieber. With, I, I just um, happened to remember that stat um, because um, of Red's outselling it oh, okay. by so many. Yeah, I mean, the thing, the thing with Red and with Speak Now is that, and even with Fearless, they like completely oversold the estimate of what they were supposed to sell. You know, albums these days are selling a couple hundred thousand to like quarter million is like what seems to be where people land. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, people like Katy Perry and Lady Gaga and Miley Cyrus. And that's where their albums are selling somewhere between 150 and 250. Ariana Grande also. Um, So to sell 500,000 copies was unheard of. To sell a million copies like is ridiculous. And that is not because of Kanye Gate. That is because of Taylor's talent and because of Taylor's fans and how hard they fight for her. Right. That has nothing to do with Kanye Gate. So that's, that in itself is an argument that is invalid. Goodbye. Mm-hmm. Well, to clear it up, I, I did fact check myself. Diane, it is uh, Bieber's Believe that oh, released the same year. And its first week sales were 374,000 copies. Wow. Which is a lot, but is not 500,000 copies. No, when you figure... I'm going off of 600,000 because it was 592. But when you figure Fearless came out four years prior and people are claiming Kanye, you know, a year later was the reason she's popular, it's like, well, no. Absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely not. So um, that counters that. But needless to say, that was a significant moment and we do know courtesy of fans who have ventured into taylor's various homes uh i believe it's the nashville one where she has a picture of kanye taking the mic from her in a frame that says life is full of little interruptions which, which is also i think the is so brave of her secret to put message. that up yeah me too what did and you that's say the secret, that's the secret message on um, um speak um, now of uh um, innocence. innocent yeah thank you impossible (laughs) i have the perfume on my brain uh yes um and then she came out with platinum edition in 2009 and i i it wouldn't like i don't i mean this goes back to the argument that you know kanye gate made her famous quote unquote 
she like i don't think she would have released a platinum album if like like she wouldn't have been planning to release it if she was wasn't popular before that happened like that doesn't make any sense right do you know do you know what i'm saying like I don't know. It just well, it makes she, me angry. Well, um, she announced it on September 10th, and the VMAs happened Where, in before August, that, right? Just a little bit. Yeah. So this yeah, but she's... been something that she had in her mind. Yeah, and she was already she was definitely already planning it. Like you don't just you know two months after something like that, you're like, let's release another album. Well, you know my my favorite like, thing I've ever heard are the conspiracy theories about that. That this whole thing with Kanye was planned to bump her popularity before the release. Oh, God. Why would Kanye agree to that? It made him look like <laughs> such a jerk. <laughs> yes, I know. That's, no, that's not she, true. Taylor, Taylor's secretly like in the room with Kanye. She's like, okay, Kanye, this is what you're going to do. You're going to come up on stage, grab the microphone from my hand, and I'm going to stand there in the corner all sad, and you're going to say your thing, and we're going to come up with something awesome for you to say, and then I'm just going to walk off stage and then go and do a performance. Yeah, no. Okay. Well, let's move on because the episode is getting very, very long. This is one of our longest ever, in fact. Um, Second, (laughs) probably only to the all guys episode. Yeah, apparently we're setting new records here on Taylor Talk also. Um, But there were some huge, huge performances that were really cool during the Fearless era. One that jumps to mind is, of course, the CMT Crossroads that she did with Def Leppard, which is a program that CMT puts on to combine a country artist with an artist from another genre. Mm-hmm. And so Def Leppard is, I don't know, Steve's probably more familiar with I am, than I am, but a British oh, rock you band. Know, you know Pour Some Sugar on Me. Of Everybody course I know some Pour Some Sugar exactly. on Me. Exactly. Everybody they, knows they that were, They were a great band of the hair metal days of the 80s. That's hair metal. Era. <laughs> so Taylor was teasing in 1989 and 2008. Wow. Yep. Whoa. <laughs> foresight guys hey do you know what the do you know what the coolest thing is is maybe maybe now taylor can appear on cmt crossroads again with a country artist because she's a pop artist now that oh how cool. ironic that would be so funny <laughs> oh how things come full circle someone should arrange that but you know we're gonna put definitely put this video up on taylortalk.org slash episode 154 because it's absolutely brilliant it's about an hour-long video uh, it was really, really cool seeing Def Leppard doing the backup vocals for Picture to Burn. Like, that was awesome. And Love, and love Story. Very awesome. Yeah. Like, that Do was Do you so guys cool. own this on DVD? Or is it just yes. me? Yes. No, I have it on DVD. I don't, Steve. It's very good. Yeah, it's at Walmart every once in a while, so you got to kind of keep an eye out for it. I think yeah. I got mine at CMA Fest. And then anyway. also here here in our notes for the episode, somebody noted that they like CMT Giants Alan Jackson performance. Who who put that in? I did. This is one of my all time favorite Taylor performance. It was very early in the Fearless era, and she sang "Drive" by Alan Jackson, and it is such a good cover. It she is so cute and so adorable, and she she gives him such a beautiful homage it's awesome you guys should watch it for me it actually made it sound like it was her song yes it did like she changed she changed the lyrics a little bit to make Mm -hmm. it to adjust it to her song but they panned to alan and his family and you could tell that he was really happy with it um and it's just it's adorable and it's very early on in the fearless era and i think that it 
it it it, it signified the beginning of the era and you know crossroads was a good example of the era and i just i thought that it was to me it stood out because it showed the growth of her from from where she started in the fearless era right i i got one more thing for this era since i kind of missed out on it um, one of the nice things is they put it into a nice DVD package there, Journey to Fearless. Oh, yes. yeah. It's on Netflix, Good call. too. Yes, it is. That's currently on Netflix instant streaming. So, And Kaylee's in it. Yeah, I was yes! just going to say, I watched that like last month, and I was like, wait, I know her. And then I texted her. I was like, Kaylee, I saw you. <laughs> I saw you in the tea party part. Yeah. So anybody like me that missed out on that era, make sure you go check out Journey to Fearless. I would agree with that. And you'll Even be able to see a friend of ours in there yeah. as a little girl with pigtails and glasses. Oh God, she was so and she was crying. <laughs> She's like, She's right there. <laughs> oh, Kaylee. But that's that's a great point, Stephen. That's a good recap of uh the Fearless tour for sure for those of us that missed it. Now, I, you know, these are some of the significant moments that we pulled out. All the performances we were talking about, we're going to put up for you guys, taylortalk.org slash episode 154. If you haven't seen them or you just want to see them again, definitely watch them. Definitely bring your tissue box if you're watching them because I might have actually teared up a little, not fake crying, but actual actual crying a little bit, watching little baby Taylor at the beginning of her career. Yep. Did you really? No. I'm not going to comment on that. <laughs> uh, I might have gotten a little bit emotional. We'll leave it at that. Real men don't cry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Re- real men aren't afraid to cry. <laughs> Whatever. We don't cry in public. <laughs> so, like I said, you know, next week's going to be a follow-up discussion. We're going to get into the Speak Now era. You definitely won't want to miss that. Got a few more things to wrap up before we go. For those of you who are still with us, thank you, because yeah. it's been over an hour already. Let's get to some mini segments, which are submitted by you guys. Steve, can you please share with us the very first one for the episode? You know you're a Swifty when you get into an argument with your teacher about how Shake It Off music video was not copying other artists. And then I went and sat down before he gave me detention. I'm glad you did that before and you didn't get detention over it. Because sometimes there's no point in getting in a fight with idiots. Is she copying? I don't understand. Well, before we go, that's Beth sent that into us via email. Oh, thank you, Um, Beth. And Sammy, to answer your question, I think it's referring to the fact that, you know, she takes all the different genres and she's oh. trying like there's the one scene that looks like it's from a Lady Gaga video. And Oh, jeez. Yeah. OK. Next um, one. The next one is from Justin 13 Swift on Twitter. You know, you're a Swifty when a car stops at a light and blasting shake it off and you have a dance party on the sidewalk. Just happened. Oh, that is so funny. Do you want to know what's really funny is that I tweeted something very similar to that is that I was in my house and I was reading and a car drove by and the windows were down and it was blasting Shake It Off and I had to stop what I was doing to dance to Shake It Off as the car drove by. Oh, right. <laughs> it, was really, it was really funny. All right. So next one, Isabella emailed us and said, if Swifties ruled the world, hey, I like these. We don't get these often if Swifties ruled the world. If Swifties ruled the world. Every radio station would play Taylor Swift songs every day, 24-7. I wish they had a Taylor Swift station on Sirius. That would be so cool. Well, you know what? Pretty soon, every radio station is going to be playing Taylor 24-7. Because as soon as 1989 drops, she's going to be all over the place. Yep, that's true. All right. uh, This next one comes from Red1989 from Taylor Connect. And they say, you know you're a Swifty when you start crying when Shake It Off comes on. 
I just get really happy when it comes. Yeah, to me too. I don't, I don't. I don't cry, but I'm also really happy. Wait, sorry, who sent that in? Uh, Red nineteen, um, eighty nine from Taylor Connect. I, oh my I gosh, we still have a Taylor Connect. <laughs> yeah. And people actually submit to it. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> How cool. Nice. And um, the next one comes from Ariana Ocha 08 from Twitter. You know you're a Swifty when you enter every contest and try to meet Taylor and it ends up feeling like a job. Oh, oh my gosh. Try running some of those giveaways. Yeah, let's, let's, <laughs> let's not talk about that. Let's do that and see how job-like it feels. Let, let's not talk about that and say we did. Uh, the next one is from Rebecca via text message. You know you're a Swifty when whenever someone says your name, you say, no, it's Becky. That works for you, Rebecca. <laughs> that totally works for Rebecca because totally she can go by Becky. Work. That's really funny. And just a reminder, Rebecca, wink, wink, another shameless plug in this episode. If you go to teespring.com slash Becky t-shirt, there's four days left to get your very own No It's Becky t-shirt. Same color as Taylor, same font, all that stuff. It's really cool. Which would really work for her because No It's Becky is right. <laughs> that's the perfect shirt for you rebecca so i insist and as far as i know international people have been able to order and get it so wherever you are in the world you can go teespring.com slash becky t-shirts and go get that right right, right. Yep. one last thing before we go what are swifties listening to where you guys share with us what is on your ipod this week forever enchanted 13 on taylor connect wow. <laughs> taylor connect submitted Budapest by George Ezra saying it's a cool song. You guys should check it out. It's really good. It's, it's very, very interesting. Cool. I bought it. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. It's um, it was not what I expected from a Swifty, and I I give you a lot of credit for Ever Enchanted thirteen for you know having such a wide range of music that you like. Good for you. It was very it. unique. It wasn't It wasn't the voice I was picturing coming from that guy, but of course we'll put that video up as well for you guys to watch the music video for Budapest by George Ezra up on taylortalk.org slash episode 154. Uh, now, before we go, don't forget, sometime in November, there is going to be a Taylor Talk Live episode. It's going to be a Google live stream for you guys to tune in. That way you can participate actively in the episode and talk with us. It's going to be a great time. It'll be celebrating our uh, third anniversary. Can you believe we've been on 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 the air here for three years? Wow. That's a long time. That is a long time. Three years, guys. Three years we've How been dedicating our lives to Taylor Swift, uh, and I w- don't regret any moment of it. Nope. It's been awesome. So remember, guys, go follow us on Twitter at TaylorTalk13. If you want to reach out to us and contact us, you can, of course, visit TaylorTalk.org slash contact. And we have a variety of different ways you can reach out to us and participate with the show. We'd love to hear from you guys. And, of course, as always, if you guys could do us the great favor and leave a review on iTunes, that would be so appreciated. Let us know how we're doing. That way we can make improvements, changes to the show, or just keep doing what we're doing. If you guys like it, let us know. So, for episode 154 of Taylor Talk, the Taylor Swift podcast, my name is Adam. I'm Diane. I'm Sammy. And I'm Fearless. (laughs) fearlessly steve fearless steve saying have a great week guys we'll see you all next time when we recap the speak now era bye-bye bye guys see ya this podcast is not directly affiliated with taylor swift